We buried him in the little cemetery next to Zachary. The two mounds of freshly turned earth looked out of place amid the tottering old gravestones. I stood next to Elsie while Keith and Devin covered the body, trying to decide what I'd missed. Everything looked as right as we could make it. The people spread out in a loose semicircle stood hushed and still. Jesse had even dug up enough black to dress for the occasion. A warm breeze slipped through the trees. Across the ground, splotches of sunlight and shadow played tag in rhythm with the swaying branches. Where the underbrush thinned, snatches of sparkling turquoise blue ocean glinted in the distance. Leaves rustled overhead. Even the slightest surge in the wind sent scores of them wafting toward the earth in lazy showers of red and gold. Gabriel had picked a fine day to die. Autumn had dressed the world in the most vibrant shades as if commemorating his passing. The simple act of lifting my eyes left me feeling like I'd not only found the end of a rainbow, but had stepped inside of it. As pretty as it was, the sight of fall, in all its glory, stood as a harbinger of things to come. When the leaves were gone, the cold would come and winter would seize the island in its icy grip. Life would grow tougher and leaner. We would, too. If we didn't, we'd end up digging more graves. Elsie provided the man a short and surprisingly eloquent send-off, despite the fact that she seemed as jittery as the others. I doubt many funerals contained guests who spent more time watching the tree line and jumping occasionally at shadows than paying attention to the proceedings. I suspected even fewer listed the cause of death as killed by monster. I stood as silent as the rest, trying to focus on the ceremony, but wrestling with the odd feeling that an answer lay in front of me if I could only figure out the question. While the rest seemed appropriately solemn, I grew increasingly frustrated, like I had all the parts to a rebus puzzle, but couldn't quite put them in the right order. The group broke apart on the way back, with the younger folks trudging ahead. Elsie and I brought up the rear. You looked awfully preoccupied, she noted after giving the others enough time to create distance between us. Daniel loped along a few feet away, his face empty. I still didn't know how to take him and couldn't decide if he was more demon child or a simple prognosticator. Even though I'd dreamed it, the image of his head swiveling around on his body wouldn't leave my mind. He'd done nothing evil, yet simply standing next to him could raise the hair on my arms. In some ways, I felt sorry for him. Everyone at the station avoided him as best they could. Watching the others skirt their way around the boy reminded me of people poking through tall weeds where a snake had just disappeared. They did it gingerly and nervously. I pulled my eyes away from him. I was, I said to Elsie. I'm going down to the southern end of the island. I counted nine people on the point the day we passed. There's at least six or seven more in between. Not today. It's too late she said without breaking her stride. Elsie, the people out in the open don't stand a chance. I can't just let them die, I argued. Besides, I want to check on the cabins on the other side. We may be able to move down there and save ourselves a lot of work. I said not today, Hill William, she said sharply. I shot her a cautious glance. She stared straight ahead, her face tight. Elsie had drawn her gray hair back in a bun for the funeral. If she'd worn a floor-length linen dress and a pair of boots, she would have looked like Granny Clampett stomping along beside me. Gabriel's suicide shocked everyone. 
Elsie seemed to have taken it worse than the rest, though. I hadn't helped the situation when I described the visit to Ocracoke. The stunned expressions had started at disbelief, ventured over into denial, and then migrated toward horror when they realized what he meant by growing claws. Life grew more complicated with each passing day. We didn't just have to scrounge for food and worry about a virus. Survival had taken on a whole new meaning. Famine and disease might eventually kill us all if we lived long enough to die a natural death. Increasingly, it seemed we stood better odds of serving as dinner.